What's up, everybody, and welcome to the crossover podcast event of the year. This is where you come to listen to Fireside Comics and Cinema 7 discuss Avengers Infinity War, the newest Marvel Studios film. Let's go around the table and introduce ourselves. I am Chris from Fireside Comics. Who do we got from Cinema 7? Yo, we got me, Mario B, from Cinema 7. I'm here, and I'm going to, you know, to my virtual left is uh, Chris Hawk. This is me. This is Chris Hawk. You know, to my virtual left is John Kenoki. And to complete the circle, I'm John Kenoki. And there's nobody to my virtual left. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, it's good to have you guys here, man. We haven't had uh, this big of a crossover between our podcasts before. And not only am I excited for that, but I'm excited because we're talking about goddamn Infinity War. And <laughs> I don't even know what your guys' opinions are yet. But I am just so excited to talk to somebody about this film because, sweet Jesus, there's a lot to talk about. I totally forgot. There's no filter on Fireside Comics, so this is <laughs> this is amazing now. Yeah, you guys, man, this is Fireside Comics. Say whatever the fuck you want because, <laughs> and who gives a shit, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> I just want to give a shout out to Boss Logic. Fuck you, Boss Logic. <laughs> what? Cinema 7 does not speak for Fireside Comics on all opinions. No, 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 no. Hold the, hold the fuck on. Boss Logic can go okay. fuck himself, okay? I'd like to state that half of Cinema 7 does not speak for all of Cinema 7. I'm not trying to offend people. This is two-thirds of Cinema 7, so that's a majority, John. <laughs> We're not Jeez. a democracy. This is oh, not a democracy. Man. No, I, I honestly, honestly, I just want to say, that's just from Mario. Not from anyone else. Okay. Nobody else. Okay. Just it was me. Personally. It was just Mario cussing out Boss Logic. It was just, only yeah. just Mario. To clear it was the only air there. me. <laughs> I do want to say though that Chris Hawk and John know my opinion on Infinity War. I do not know their opinions so far. So okay. this is going to be interesting for me to find out their opinions. Okay. Well, I'm very excited to get into this, like I said, and if you guys are ready, um, I think we should go over just a quick little non-spoiler review of what we thought uh, of the film, whether it be just as a film itself or uh, obviously, I guess, as a part of the franchise of all of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, but I want to throw it over to you guys first. Uh, whoever wants to take the table, tell us what you thought about Infinity War. Chris Hawk, I think Chris Hawk should go first. <laughs> you, you want me to go first? Non-spoiler, yeah, Chris Hawk. Non, I can't do non-spoiler. Okay, but in all seriousness, I um, I really did like this movie. I, I thought it was very fun, hands you know from start to finish. It it was it's a very tonally different than the rest of the uh, Marvel movies oh, that yes. I've seen. So I was, I was a bit caught off guard a little bit. I mean, they all fit into a certain type of programming and they kind of do follow the same suit as other marvel movies so you kind of got that there i think Fan thanos um like my favorite characters of the of the entire movie might be thanos gamora and thor okay and i think i think they're the strongest of the movie um to me personally it felt like it dragged a lot 
but really? it also it also had a lot of time to breathe. So it's a good and bad. And I think I think Mario has the same the same like and dislike that I do um, about that. But overall, non spoilers. I think this was a good Marvel movie. I think I think I kind of expected it to be. I don't know. That's no, never mind. That's that's going to spoiler territory. But I I really I did expect the ending. I expected most of the things that were going to happen. I think the Soul Stone was very well done and how they set that up. I I'm so glad it wasn't in. You know, okay, that's still spoilers. Um, <laughs> Yeah, otherwise it was good. I liked it. Okay. All right. What about uh what about you guys, John or Mario? What do you think? What would you think of uh of the newest Avengers adventure? I uh John, you want me to go first or you want to go? I'll, I'll go next. Okay. Chris Hawk, you just said this movie was very different from all the other Marvel movies, but then you called it a Marvel movie and said it followed like the Marvel movie formula. I mean, some of it does follow, but Otherwise, there's I don't, like vastly different parts. I, I don't see the difference. Personally, I think behind it all is still the same exact Marvel formula movie, just told in a different way, and it's more subtle. So I'm not I'm not saying I hated the movie, but I still mm. think it's the same thing. I think it was good, and we'll get into uh, spoilers when we get to specifics. I do think that uh, we get some of the best not necessarily plot but uh over overarching you know villain scheming i guess for for without saying spoilers i i think thanos is really good in this movie i think that uh you know he makes it great but overall the movie as a whole i think is good but i can't agree with the fact that it is different from a traditional marvel marvel movie i still think it's the same thing but I don't. I don't want to go into further because I'll just pull Chris Hawk and I'll just throw spoilers left and right, and I can't do that. <laughs> All right. Okay. All right, Mario. What do you got? Um, I liked it more than I thought I would. Honestly, I thought that, like Chris Hawk, like he said about the pacing, I thought the pacing was better than Civil War and Avengers Two. Okay. Uh, personally, I appreciate the moments where it slows down, and I do also dislike where it slows down because for me it seems off. For some reason, and I don't know if that's just because of the characters' interactions mm-hmm. being kind of uh, quick at some parts, or if it just, um, just to where the action just picked up. It went from a hundred zero to a hundred real quick mm-hmm. <laughs> after the slowdowns. But that's a negative and a positive for me. For some reason, I, I don't know. I just it was better than most Marvel movies. Uh, okay. I liked a lot more than I disliked for sure, even though I do have uh, a lot of nitpicks. Um, <laughs> it's not a perfect superhero movie to me, but it, it I do I can draw comparisons to Justice League, and uh, but it was a great event for the MCU in my Them's opinion. Them's fighting words, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I personally th- thought it was like a comic book event, like when you know they did. Battle World, or when DC did their whole uh, Pandora's box thing and mm-hmm. and stuff like that, it, it felt like a comic book event. Okay, it's, All right, it's well, cool. funny to me you didn't use the comic book event, the Infinity War, or Infinity Conflict. <laughs> <laughs> right, I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> Mario's different. Mario's different. Okay, he had to go outside the box. Yeah, he doesn't like to. He doesn't like to be put in a box. 
Uh, Get him out of the box. <laughs> What's in the box? What's in the box? <laughs> Not me. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> oh man. Well, uh, I hold on, hold on, Chris Poole. Yes, I yes. bet you love this movie. I absolutely love this movie. I like anybody that knows me knew that I was going to love this movie. Like, right, 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 right. But this movie, um. I I do agree that it was different from the other the other Marvel films in the sense that like the the overall tone of everything just like the you know the whole feeling of literally everybody that's on the side of good being backed into a corner that they know they can't get out of and it's like there's a there's a whole different feel to this movie than we've had in other uh Marvel movies and I know that that's like there's a lot of people out there that really like and this is understandable just to bring up star wars for a quick second i don't want to get way too off track here but a lot of people uh, um really like empire as like the best of the movies and a lot of people reference how that movie ended with a cliffhanger and on a down note for the heroes and it was just so different from the typical ending for a movie and a lot of people are like man there should be movies that end not necessarily that way in the marvel cinematic universe but things that aren't just like always oh it's the best day ever at the end of every movie and i think that the tone that is within this film as well as the fact that it is part one of two and the next one is coming out next year um, it, it left a lot of opportunity for them to give us something a little bit different as far as how we feel by the time this film is over. And I got to say, this film for me was an emotional fucking roller coaster. <laughs> like, I, I have not felt so sad about a movie that I loved every bit of in my entire life. And it was very similar to... Uh, you know, say what you will about Harry Potter and the movies. Uh, them shits were great, and I liked the books too. Uh, but I felt this was a, this was kind of similar to how I felt when I watched um, the Deathly Hallows Part Two, where it's just like everything's been building with these characters for years, and you finally get to this huge event where everything and just all the shit is hitting the fan, and it's time for everybody to to arm themselves and just stand up. And you get some like really epic moments and some really emotional moments. And on top of that, character interactions, like seeing the Guardians meet characters like Thor uh, or the, the heroes from Earth, there was a whole lot of really cool interactions with the characters um, that I thought were really cool. I do have some nitpicks about this movie that are specifically related to the way the plot happened and certain things that could have been done by a number of people to completely change what happened in the plot. Uh, but we'll get to that in the spoilers. But I really overall just don't have a lot of bad things I can say about this movie. I don't want to say that it's my favorite superhero movie ever just because there's a lot of, you know, oh my God, this movie actually came out and it exists and I just saw it. I don't want to commit mm -hmm. to that idea yet because I can't say that that would be true. Yeah. But I do want to say... Um, one of the things that I love about the Russo brothers when, when they direct these films, and one of the things I loved about Civil War was the fights that happened between the superpowered people. Uh, you don't often see a really well done, in my opinion, fight on a live action superhero movie between a lot of different superpowered people. Um, and Civil War, I thought, did a really good job of showing us a lot of people with different abilities using those abilities in unique ways with each other and against each other. And I thought that Infinity War had some of the coolest comic book fight scenes that I've seen in a live-action film. Um, 
I can't can't say anything about which ones because there's so little you can say about this film without spoiling something. I uh, I do want I do think that um going off of what you said about the different abilities and stuff, mm-hmm. I do think even though some of the characters' humors humor can be the same, I think personality wise, it's cool to see that almost every character in this movie is different. Yes, uh, from that perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that was one conclusion I drew, at least from uh. You know the different characters and stuff. Right, right. But yeah, this um, overall man, it was great, and I saw it three times in two days, and it's the first time I think in my entire life that I've seen one movie twice in a single day, and <laughs> it was it was so good every time. It was oh my god! But the first time I saw this movie, man, it was a lot. Okay, it was the first time I've ever just like not been able to talk to somebody after a movie either. Like my girlfriend yeah. Shay and I, we saw this at uh, on Thursday evening, and. The, the movie ends, the credits roll, and we didn't say a word until we got back to the car. It was just like there was so much that we had to process as far as what just happened. And you'll hear this from a lot of reviews. There's a lot of things that you may think you know about what's going to happen in this film, but it throws a lot of, lot of fucking curveballs at you too. And I thought they did a real – I thought the Russos just did once again a really good job with so many characters on the screen in the same story. I thought it was really good. So I want to ask you a question about the differences in the types of uh, theater style experiences that you had. You saw it in regular, you saw it in IMAX, you saw it in IMAX 3D, right? Yes, I did. All right, so when you saw it in regular, non-IMAX, did it feel to you as if the scenes didn't hit or pop as loud? Was like the music, the sh- like the guns, the uh, background noise, was that all, did it feel like dull to you compared to the IMAX version? Well, here's the weird thing is that it was kind of reversed in that sense. I felt like the standard version, no IMAX, no 3D, uh, this was at a studio movie grill. I felt like that one had the best sound of all three viewings that I had. Really? Um, yeah. And, and the only reason I say that is because there were certain things that were a little bit clearer to understand. Like not, and It's not like I couldn't hear dialogue or something in IMAX. Everything was understandable and you could... You could tell what was going on. It's not like you missed anything in the movie. But there's just certain details here and there that I felt were a little bit cleaner in the regular showing. Um, the the IMAX 3D and the regular IMAX I saw in the same exact theater at two different times. So I can't really comment on a difference in the sound there. I can say that 3D is not worth it for this film. I, I am usually an advocate for 3D, especially with superhero films, because there's been some cool ones out there, and I think Doctor Strange was an amazing example of what you can do with 3D if you want to, uh, in the genre at least. Uh, but this movie, for me, just didn't do anything on the 3D side. I don't think it was worth the extra couple of bucks. IMAX, though, that man, I, I am always, always a supporter of the IMAX screen whenever possible, and... If I remember correctly, this entire film was filmed on IMAX cameras, and yeah, that's why was the first that's why one. I asked. Yeah, it's it's definitely nice. Like, n- not a lot of people. I guess I shouldn't say I, sh- I should say that not everybody notices this. But like, you watch a film like The Dark Knight, for example, that's got some IMAX uh, scenes in it, and most of the rest of the scenes are not IMAX. And if you're watching it on your TV at home, there's going to be some scenes where it completely fills up the screen. And then the other 80% of the movie has got letterbox bars on the top and bottom. Mm -hmm. Um, 
that's that does nothing as far as making a film bad or anything, but it is kind of nice just knowing that no matter how you watch this film, it's always going to be the exact same screen size because it's not doing any weird kind of artistic frame stuff or whatever and not switching back and forth between standard and IMAX. So that's a tiny little thing that probably matters to literally nobody, but Wait thought I'd mention it. Wait till you see Venom in 3D. Yeah, get out of here. <laughs> John, John and Mario, did you guys feel like the movie didn't have oomph at some times during the movie because of the sound? Did that, did that ever cross your guys' mind? Mm, not me personally. The only thing that was off to me sound-wise is I, I leaned over to John and John kind of like shook his head in disagreement was I thought uh, uh, Rocket Raccoon kind of had like his voice seemed off or his mouth seemed off from his voice or his voice seemed kind of low at parts to me but i was i leaned over to john i was like john do you think that's weird and he go he just shook his head so <laughs> i i didn't know what you're talking about <laughs> i i don't i don't think it did i mean i don't i don't i don't think it's the sound i think it's because you guys touched on the pacing thing i think it's more of that a pacing is thing a, is an interesting segue um something i wanted to ask you guys about so it was brought up earlier about uh, comparisons yeah. between Justice League and this film, and let's let's roll with that for a quick second and talk about CGI on some of the characters. I wanted to wanted to ask you guys about your opinion on this. So uh, the reason I'm comparing it to Justice League is because I love taking shots at that movie because it was super terrible in my opinion, and <laughs> <laughs> uh, it had like Steppenwolf was that movie had some of the worst CGI I've seen in a movie in general and Steppenwolf just looked gross and just bad to me the entire time. So this movie had, I think like 11 or so completely CGI characters. Uh, you have like Thanos, you have his four, uh, members of the black order. You've got Iron Man, you got uh, Spider-Man, um, the Hulkbuster armor, Hulk, uh, you know, there's probably one or two that I'm not thinking of, you know, you got war machine when he's in full costume, um, what mm-hmm. did you guys think of uh, the CG overall? Because there is a lot of it. And specifically, what did you think of the CGI characters? And did you think the quality was spread equally throughout? Um, I think Thanos looked good overall. Thanos looked really great mm-hmm. CGI-wise. Uh, at some parts, you can tell he's CGI. And at some parts, you know, you're like, is that real? Right. You know, did they put him in makeup or something? <laughs> uh I do think that a couple of the Black Order people, especially the the lady mm-hmm. or whoever her I don't know her name, and then Proxima Midnight, and then the Elf Goblin. I think I can compare them to Stephen Wolf in Justice League. Ooh, because okay. I, I I just felt like they were bad. And then uh, there was another instant I, I don't remember, but I I feel like that was one of the things I was referring to when I can compare it to the Justice League movie was uh, some of the CGI. Okay. In, in my opinion. Okay. Uh, the only CGI that took me out of the movie was some Thor scenes. Okay. Some of the, some of the Thor CGI was kind of noticeable, and that's the only... It wasn't that bad, but it was just noticeable to me. Okay. During the fight. John? I, br- I brought this up. I brought this up in a Reddit thread. Um, the Black Order, to me, looks straight out of World of Warcraft, so I don't know... I'm, I'm sure you've... I mean, have you played Crystal? Have you ever played that game? Uh, no, but I'm I'm aware of it. I know all okay, about it. Okay, so, like, the girl, like, looks exactly like a race you can play. 
Uh, Maul looks exactly like a form of that race you can play. And then an elf <laughs> goblin dude, like, straight up looks like he was made in World of Warcraft, which is actually good in terms of CGI, because Blizzard does some fantastic CGI. Mm-hmm. So I think they look great, but I do think there are times where it is so awful, and I think it's more about the framing and less about the CGI. So I okay. think it's it's more of a choice of when to use it in some cases, but in terms of, like, the Black Order, at least, I think they look fantastic CG-wise. You didn't think that lady looked weird? Like, she looked completely fake when they zoomed in on her face when uh, they at, when they first show up at and they're on the other side of the wall. I thought she looked terrible. Like, I, I was like, this is, this is Steppenwolf right here. This is that bad, in my opinion. See, I personally saw... I disagree. Yeah, I mean, I can see what you're saying because I think that of the Black Order, I think that Proxima Midnight looked the worst, but I think that could also, well, I, I actually don't know. I can't give a reason why that might be the case, but there were, there were times when I thought that she didn't look as convincing as the rest. Like, um, uh, Ebony Maw, I felt like they put, I felt like they put all their work in him, uh, because he looked great, you know, doing all his stuff and just standing around preaching to everybody and all that stuff. <clears throat> Excuse me. But, uh, I felt like who got the short end of the stick to be perfectly honest on the CGI was Groot. I didn't think Groot looked very good at all, like anywhere near convincing of the guardians movies. And especially compared with like Thanos, I totally agree that he got like, he looked good. There's a scene uh, at one part where, you know, it's it doesn't matter where it's at in the film, but he's in the daylight and he's underneath some trees and you can see like the lights coming in and there's also shadows on him from the trees. And that's one of those moments where, like you mentioned, it's like, did they just put makeup on something? Like that looks damn good. So I thought it was pretty good. I just don't know that it was equally distributed everywhere. I thought the environments looked great, though. The planets were pretty damn dope. Thought all that stuff was pretty cool. Everything out in that wonderful world of space. To speak to Mario's comment about Proxima Midnight, I think part of the reason you think her CGI looks so bad is because of how close they get to her face and the expressions they try to CGI her to make. I just I don't think you should ever get that close to a CGI character and do like when when they're that small and defined. Like Thanos is huge, so you have a lot to work with with his face. Mm-hmm. But, like, she's smaller, and you're trying to make her make, like, micro-expressions. Yeah, I mean, that's never going to work. I can see that. I, for for yeah. what it is, I think it's good. And there's no point in putting those resources into her face anyway, so. <laughs> I know it's bad. <laughs> I don't think. You don't think you know. You know stuff. <laughs> what about uh, one, of the, one of the complaints? I guess there's two complaints uh, that a lot of people have with Marvel movies. One is that they never have good villains. Uh, it sounds like we all, I, I don't know if we've all mentioned what our thoughts on Thanos are, but uh, I think that Thanos was a fantastic villain. Um, I think there's one part of his plan that could have been changed and everybody in the universe could have been happy, including him, but we'll get over, we'll get to that in the spoiler section. Just give everyone, oh wait, hold on. <laughs> give everyone a pony. But, uh, That's what I was going to say. I thought he was a great villain and um, shit, now I forgot what the other thing was that uh, people complain about. Uh, God damn it. Lost my train of thought. Who's got something? Anybody? I think, uh, I agree. I think Thanos is is a really good villain. I think he's up there, arguably, or you can debate that he's the best MCU villain. Okay. Uh, I think that 
maybe he could if what people wanted is a little more build up like uh you know actually see him do things in in more cut uh, more maybe scenes like uh like in Avengers 2 when you at the end of the end credit mm-hmm. scene when he says he's going to do it himself right like maybe maybe more stuff like that like seeing him gather or maybe more detail on him getting the gauntlet Mm-hmm. Like like more than five minutes over eighteen movies is what you're saying, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Maybe more build up to to him, but I, I do think that he's personally. I think he's the best MCU villain because I I love the whole Shakespearean nature, and um, the end is just so poetic to his quest. Right. I think so. I think that adds to it. Okay. I don't know if this fixes their problems because we have to see the next couple movies to see how those villains play out. Right, that's true. They do have a lot more room to play with the villain and add some depth, seeing as how they're doing two films. But um, I remember the other thing I was going to mention. Humor is another thing that some people like to complain about in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Like, oh, oh, this film's going to be a comedy, just like the last one. Like, uh, this one person uh, that I saw on Twitter not too long ago before Infinity War came out, This is when it had been reported that Thanos and Thor were supposedly going to get the most screen time out of anybody in the movie. And this person goes, oh, great. So it's going to be a comedy like Ragnarok. And (laughs) I was in my head of like, are you serious? Like, how do you how do you make that jump from Thor gets a lot of screen time to this is going to be a comedy? Um, Like, but what do you guys think about? I guess humor in the Marvel Cinematic Universe in general, but I guess more specifically this film. Do you think that this film had too much humor or just the right amount? Was it a little weird? Like, what were your guys' thoughts on that? I think I should go before Mario. Because <laughs> I, I think I already know Mario's opinion on other MCU movies, but I don't know it on this one. Okay. I honestly think the comedy in Infinity War is well-placed. There's okay. some... You know, there's some brevity, but they haven't really fully witnessed Thanos's might. Mm-hmm. And after that, after that, everyone's very sullen. You know, they're it's ve- it's very downtrodden after they meet Thanos. So there's there's humor before they meet mm-hmm. Thanos, right? So I mean, I can see that. I think the funniest parts of this movie entail the Guardians. I think the Guardians are hands down the funniest parts of this movie. I could, um, uh, I think I could agree with that. I I I think from the start. When they enter the movie, they, I think it was J- James Gunn wrote like all the dialogue for the Guardians in this movie, but knocked it out of the park. I think this is the humor I wanted from Guardians 2. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Guardians 2 was a little bit too much toilet humor. Like, I don't need to know that Drax has the hugest turds. You right, know, that's right, dumb. Right. That's not funny at all. This is the stuff that Guardians should have had in Volumes 2, which I think would have propelled it to a great sequel uh-huh. which i just think it's just a good sequel i think personally infinity war might be the funniest marvel movie really yeah my opinion wow that's a strange thing to hear after watching a movie like infinity war <laughs> i actually have to agree with both of you guys i think the humor is well placed here uh the only jokes i don't like are the real meta pop culture jokes Okay. Um, Mario Mario doesn't like aliens. So <laughs> No, I do like that part. I do like the <laughs> I reference to aliens. That movie. 
I do like the alien reference and I especially love the follow up when Tony's like the kids seen more movies than me. Right, right. I really like that and and cuz you know you finally see I feel like this is you finally seeing the Spider-Man think to defeat a villain mm-hmm. in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So I really like that part. And like I, like you guys said Guardians I think the Guardians were the funniest part of the movie for me and, and you know Drax knocks Dave Batista knocks it out of the park. So good. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Yeah, he's got he's got some good stuff in there for sure. Um I think I had I can't remember if I mentioned this. I have one part when we get to spoilers I need to mention. Uh but there's there's one there's one bit of humor in this film that I thought was just like it felt super forced because of what was happening in the film at the time. And when you said that, you know, they're all funny until they actually see Thanos and have to deal with him. And then all of a sudden it's like, nope, we don't got time for jokes. We got to get this done. And I can I can agree with that. So, I, I mean, I liked it. I've never had a problem with humor in any of the Marvel films. And Ragnarok, I think, worked so well because it was so funny for most of it. John, what did you think of the humor? I, I've never had a problem with Marvel humor. I mean, sometimes it is, I mean, it is what it is, Marvel humor. Like, it defines the Marvel movie for me, so I expect it at this point. It doesn't, it's, I didn't think it felt out of place in in most respects. I mean, some jokes I don't think work as well. Okay. And uh, I, I do think some are very, very forced in some scenarios, but I won't mention those specifically until we talk about what Chris Poole's talking about, because... We're kind of dancing all over spoilers here, but <laughs> it's hard like, not to. I think to, some man. things it's have been said to. that could be considered spoilers. Oh so yeah, I'm not there's going to be. Anything. I know of at least one thing that's going to get beeped twice already. I'm not going to go out of my way to say anything wrong. <laughs> why don't we just? Uh, why don't we just take that as a sign that we probably should head over to the spoilers? Because it sounds like we've all given our basic thoughts over the film. Hate to cut you off, Chris Poole, but before we get to spoilers, let's hear from our sponsor, Audible. What's up, what's up? Cinema 7 Podcast listeners, how you doing? Here I am, the pro wrestling legend Mongoose from the Lehigh Valley right here in Pennsylvania. Listen to me when I talk to you, brother. I'm talking about the great offer from Cinema 7 and Audible. Visit www.audibletrial.com c7pod. This is the only place, I'm telling you, the only place where you can get some free stuff. You can get a 30-day free trial and a free audiobook of your choice from www.audibletrial.com. Now listen, man, I'm telling you, check it out. It's free. Even if you cancel your membership, you get to keep this free audiobook all to yourself. I want you to share this with your friends. Get on Facebook. Get on Instagram. Get on Twitter. I'm telling you right now, we're going to ride this lightning bolt all the way to another universe, brother. Check it out. Cinema 7 Podcast, right now. Hey, uh, this is Birdo. Uh, Infinity War was pretty great. It exceeded my expectations. But for real, though, it was actually pretty good. I enjoyed it. Uh, had me feeling super depressed at the end. Didn't like that, but I also liked the fact that it did. But regardless, it was still a good movie. Um, they did a good job with making with as many big names as they had. Uh, they made time enough for them, uh, for every one of them. Uh, you know, it did seem kind of cluttered, but 
about a 7.5 out of 10. And that's a fact. Hey, bruv. Um, this is Stacy. Um, what I thought of Infinity World, um, it was amazing. Um, needs more Black Panther. Um, don't care about what that man said. Um, if you want to go see this said movie, um, it is the greatest movie ever. Um, I don't know how they're going to top it next year. Um, it's going to be, oh my God, um, I will take the fan, um, your wife, your cousin. I will take the whole Flammy on a Flammy date to go see this movie, bruv. Hey, so this is Riley. My personal opinion of Infinity War is that I thought, honestly, it was an amazing movie. The two best parts that I personally loved about Infinity War was Thanos and the ending. First off, the Thanos played a major role in the movie. I love the actor and how he portrayed Thanos. It was amazing. Um, the second part about the movie I really loved was the ending. The ending was probably one of the greatest endings to any superhero movie of all time. And personally, it throws every other superhero ending on its end. Hey, this is Kyle. Uh, I really liked Infinity War. I liked the, uh, the ending and uh, I thought it was really badass movie and I think you guys should go see it. that being said let's go ahead and switch over to that shit that we want to talk about so badly those tasty spoilers welcome to the main event spoiler alert major spoiler spoilers alert. oh man you guys ready to do spoilers let's do Dude, this. let's do this uh if you guys are cool with it uh i want to start out talking about thanos because it was kind of you know his movie thanos and shit. thanos thanos, mm -hmm. thanos! I love how Thor says Thanos, Thanos. <laughs> Are you trying to talk deep? This is my voice. <laughs> He's trying to copy me. <laughs> All right, so here we are in the spoiler territory, and I think it is very appropriate, if you guys agree, Finally. for us to start with Thanos, because, after all, this is his movie, and... I would like to start out just by saying this real quick little thing that I know that the Russo brothers had said before Infinity War came out that this was going to be a movie more or less told from his perspective. And when you hear something like that, at least when I hear something like that, it's like you're going to tell this Avengers movie from the villain perspective? That's a little bit different. Like, I'm not sure how that's going to work. But I think it fucking worked. And I thought, I thought they were able to do so much with Thanos, even though they didn't give us his entire backstory, which apparently they cut some out of. Um, but I, man, I thought Thanos was fucking great. Like, what did, what did you guys think about this villain? Like specifics, anything you got, what, what did you like? What'd you hate? What would you have changed? Any, any of that stuff? His nose. John or Mario or, um, have you guys read <laughs> Infinity Gauntlet? Uh, just from what I was looking up when I was talking to you guys about it in our group chat. I've never read the whole thing. Uh, Chris, you've read it, right? I'm yes. Right, okay. So how did you feel that they took away Mistress Death from his motivation? Personally, I love it because it makes Thanos not a giant purple titan thirsty boy. Mm -hmm. But I just, I, I love it that he's not just doing it for her. Right. I love it that it's a personal, emotional motivation for him. I really like what they did for Thanos. Mm -hmm. I was really afraid that he was going to do it for someone else. Okay. Um, 
Personally, I always thought that, I guess I should say I always kind of hoped slash thought they were going to do the whole death route, but maybe not make it so dramatic like it is in the comics, because you're right, it is kind of, it's kind of ridiculous how much he's pining over her, and that being his motivation, it's just not, there's not as much substance, I feel like, as what they were able to do with him in this film, um, like I thought for sure when Ragnarok was coming out that Hela was going to end up being the basically in place of death in in these films. That's what I that's what I asked cuz I was like cuz she's the goddess of death and I was like is she going to replace Lady Death and Chris Hawk said that She's also in the comics as a separate character. Right, right. Well, see, I thought they were going to do... I mean, once I saw Ragnarok, I kind of knew they weren't really because she calls herself the goddess of death. But, I mean, I don't think she was actually the ruler of any of the realms like she is in the comics. Um, but either way, I, you know, I... I thought they were going to go with death. I kind of hoped they would go with death. They even Joss Whedon did that whole tease at the, in the end credits scene for the first Avengers where, uh, what's his name with, you know, the, the masked guy that was working for Thanos is like to challenge them is to court death. And it was kind of a double meaning there. Uh, um, yeah, yeah, two thumbs. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I thought it worked though. The only thing though, and this is one of the, the plot holes that I got to point out because there's, this is the one thing that I thought didn't work about, or I could have been changed about Thanos' plan to literally make everybody else and himself happy. Like, his problem is that he even says the universe is finite, uh, resources are finite. If life doesn't stay in check, then it'll end, blah, blah, blah. All that stuff. I call it mercy. I'm going to kill half the universe. Yeah. Why not just snap his fingers and make the universe proportionally two times bigger? You know, <laughs> that is something I didn't even think about. I'll tell you why. Because Thanos doesn't understand his his use. See, I like Thanos. I think he's the best Marvel Marvel Universe villain because of his motivations being personal mm-hmm. and the what he has to go through, and we get that. Mm-hmm. That's why I think he's the best. But his inconsistent use of that damn gauntlet <laughs> pissed me off so much. What do you What do you mean? One, because that's one of the other things I wanted minute, to ask was your guys' thoughts like, on the portrayal. Like an elaborate plot, you know, with the reality. He's turning he's turning shit to bubbles when they're trying to hit him. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's rewind like he can rewind time. He doesn't do that in like the fight. It's it's like. Half the time he's really, really good with the two most powerful stones, arguably the time and the reality stone, because he doesn't have the mind stone till the end. And then the next minute he's like letting them kick his ass. Man, like he's not doing anything. Ooh, I, I got to disagree with you on that one because I think they did a really good job of of not only showing the usage of each of the Infinity Stones and what they're capable of. Uh, granted, we didn't get to see anything from the Soul Stone, but I—I I mean, we did. I—I I, am—I am a full believer that Gamora is literally inside that Soul Stone in the the pocket universe. But I thought they did a pretty good job showing what each one does, especially on that Titan fight. And really, he didn't even have that Time Stone until pretty much right before he went to Wakanda, like literally right before he went to Wakanda. And when he got to Wakanda, he was just fucking everybody up. Um, I think, I think what John's really saying is on the Titan fight, he could have easily taken them. 
yet he, he doesn't. And I has, think that's a he has a big character stone. flaw. Right. He it's a big character flaw of Thanos is that he's yeah, but hubris. they keep they keep uh, hitting him with the uh, they keep blocking it or something. Yeah. Right? See, they keep, that's what I was gonna say. Is like they they changed it. Well, just like you said, Chris. I think you were just saying this. That's his hubris. It's like. Uh, you know, like in the comics, he gets defeated because he thinks he's hot shit too much and he doesn't really keep his defenses up entirely. Um, in this one, it's almost like he feels like he can take them, so he's just going to do it like that and just use the Infinity Stones when he needs to. I'm not saying that's exactly what he's thinking. But also, uh, Mario, just like you were saying, uh, he has to close his fist apparently to use the powers most of the time. Um, at least that's the impression they gave us. So maybe that was kind of part of why he didn't kill him so quickly. The the part I'm really referring to is after he has the time stone and yet he's getting delayed by all these heroes finding him while walking to the mind stone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. At, at that point, I don't think he, he should be delayed, especially when you can see the last stone and like his grasp. I think it just doesn't make sense from a character perspective for him to not just go all out and take the stone. It's almost like they they delayed it on purpose for dramatic effect, which I don't I didn't like. Hmm. I mean, but I, I other than that I really love Thanos. I just there's some parts where I'm like why doesn't he do this? And I don't feel it's because he's too confident because at this point like he he's never met these people. Mm-hmm. So why would he be too confident? He's never beat them before. Hmm. But at that point, already- you know, he's probably feeling like his balls are pretty huge with all five of those stones. <laughs> Now I know I, th- I know John's opinion on this, but I have to ask both Chris's. Uh, do you guys think that maybe they should have shown maybe in Thor Ragnarok post credit scene that you know maybe him flying over uh, the uh, what is that planet Xandar um, nowhere Xandar at least mm. or something shown something because he just has it in this or, or do you guys don't find that as as like a really a, an, an issue? Uh, Hawk, you can take that one. I feel, I think we, me and Mario, we talked about this on the on the on the potty talk. Um, everything in the movie, like I think they wanted to show him doing the scavenger hunt for the stones in the movie, and to show that the heroes were were powerless to stop them. I think that's their point. I know what you wanted because I I I would want that big long build up also, but I think that was their main goal was to build it up in the movie themselves. It works and it kind of doesn't work. Well, it's just weird because I know that it's supposed to originally it was supposed to be two parts and then they said it wasn't two parts, but now it kind of seems like it is oh, two it parts is. again. Yeah, it totally is. Yeah, they they pulled the rug out from underneath us. I mean, like this <laughs> this film ends where the comic book Infinity Gauntlet starts pretty much. So the next one is absolutely the second part and the ending to this one. But also recently I've been seeing articles about how Kevin Feige is saying that they their whole decision to keep the name of the last Avengers or the fourth Avengers movie a secret has kind of backfired because now there's such a hype built up around what it's going to be named that the name, the actual name probably won't live up to whatever hype people have for it. So mm. I could totally see it just being straight up Infinity Gauntlet because if you think about it, if you think about it, like it, like like I said, this movie ends where the comic book starts, as far as that specific arc, anyway. Like if you go by the graphic novel or whatever. So if they had told people that this movie was Infinity War and the next one was Infinity Gauntlet, 
I'll bet mm-hmm. a whole lot more people would have been like, oh, so half of everybody's going to die at the end of the first one or something now like you, that. You mentioned, uh, what's her name? Zoe. Zoe Saldana. Yeah. What did you think of uh, Gamora in this movie? Uh, I liked her. Um, I, well, I don't want to, I don't want to offshoot on the soul stone yet. So let me just try and stay focused. Yeah. Uh, I've always thought that she does really good with the character. Um, it, it, it I am not going to lie. I was a baby every time something sad happened in this movie and man, her, like as soon like, cause I had heard the whole theory about the soul stone, uh, that matched up with what actually ended up happening. The whole sacrifice thing. Uh, yeah. I had heard that theory a couple weeks ago and I was like, eh, I don't know if I like that. I mean, I get it, but eh, I don't know. Um, in the end, I think it worked, but it, my point is when Thor is talking about the infinity stones and he mentions the soul stone, nobody's seen it. Nobody knows where that is. And she gets this look on her face. And as soon as that happened, I was like, God damn it. He's going to fucking kill Gamora <laughs> to get the goddamn Infinity Stone. Yeah. And then so I knew it was coming, and then it gets to that part, and I still was just like, no. No. It was, it was hard to watch, man. It was tough. We but, could transition back to, to Thanos after Gamora because of, the, because of what you're saying with the Soul Stone mm-hmm. and the sacrifice. Yeah. Uh, Chris, Hawk, Chris Hawk really liked Gamora. I, uh, I honestly believe that Gamora... Play, this Zoe uh, Zidane, this was her best role as uh, Gamora, okay. in my opinion. Um, I feel like she brought an emotional core to the movie of, like, just love. I mean, you can really see it on the screen, mm-hmm. the moment when Thanos is about to, you know, sacrifice her. That's, that. I mean, I, that might be my favorite scene of the movie, is that part. Wow, okay. Personally, I... I already told John this, but I think I might have told Hawk. I, I, anytime she cried, I hated it. Like I was like, "This is so cringy." Ugh. But um, yeah, I, mean, I can I can see where you guys are coming from with your opinions on Gamora. I just, I don't know, I I don't know. I just maybe it's because of the other movies where I just don't really care about Gamora and that and you know what I mean. I don't know. Hmm. Interesting. I mean, that's my thing. I don't. Like, she dies, but I just don't care enough about the character for that death to be impactful to me. That I And when I see that scene, it's less about Gamora and more about Thanos and making the sacrifice. Like, she's just she's just the, a means to an end to me because I don't care about the character. And that's from just previous movie experience. While I, I do agree with Hawk, this is, like, the best Gamora we're probably going to get. Mm-hmm. Okay. Interesting. See, like I, I felt the emotion of that scene. I'd say equally because it was Gamora being lost, but also because it was another person that Peter Quill was losing. And you, and like, I don't know how much you guys follow all this little stuff about these movies before they come out, but there was uh, a shot in one of the trailers where it was, um, it was the scene where they all have Thanos pinned down and Quill finds out that Gamora is killed and he starts losing it and Iron Man's trying to hold him back. There was a, there was that super quick shot of Iron Man holding Quill back in a trailer. Yeah, and, I saw that. And people saw that and they were like, oh my God, like this looks like he's freaking out because he just found out Gamora died or something, you know? And mm-hmm. so it's just like, just knowing that as she's going, that he's going to find out about it and that 
it's just going to be the worst thing ever. And then, and then it was even crazier too. Uh, I thought it was really good what they did when Tony tries to calm him down because, uh, and my girlfriend Shay was telling me about this the other day. She's like, you know, that's exactly what happened to Tony in civil war. He finds out that Bucky killed his mom and he just sees red and goes ape shit. And he sees Quill's about to do the same thing and it's going to screw up the plan. And he's like, calm down, buddy. You know, it was, I'm telling you, man, I was feeling for every single one of these characters with all of my heart and my soul. Yeah, but just like John, I think Thanos, like in that scene, he does help sell that. Yeah, with his tears. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, uh, I do. I do think it's interesting. I can't think of too many movies where I've seen the villain, you know, cry at least once. Much. I think. I think Thanos cried like twice, right? couple of times. I think he cried, yeah, during that part. And then there might have been another part where... Maybe when he, he was, was talking crying. to Gamora at the end or something. Yeah. But yeah, that's uh, you usually don't see your villains weep. Not for those emotions, anyway. Just reiterates why I think he's the best Marvel Universe villain. Yeah, he's good. Because he has a, actually has a plot. Mm-hmm. I, I was going to say, overall, I think <laughs> dialogue was uh, a weak point for me, except for two characters. I thought Ebony Maw and Thanos had the best dialogue in the whole movie, other than the Guardians. Okay. I can see that. I, I love... Ebony Maw was my absolute favorite character of the Black Order. It It was cool as hell, just like... I don't know, just like something about the way he talked and the way he moved and the way he would like barely move at all just to do those crazy-ass spells... Like that was that was an intimidating motherfucker, and yeah, like um, I just thought that character was really, really done well for the time given to him, especially. Plus, it was cool seeing him go against Doctor Strange. It was cool seeing Doctor Strange in this movie. He did some pretty dope ass stuff. He did. I, I I personally liked Doctor Strange more in this movie than his own movie. Interesting. Well, how do you feel about the fact that he literally is probably the one that could have changed things more than anybody and didn't do shit with the Time Stone? What are you, t- what are you talking about? He did everything with the Time Stone. No. Yeah, he did everything with the Time Stone. What if he no. destroyed it? He, he, he looked at all possible prob- uh, probabilities. Okay, but, but why didn't he use it at all when they're fighting Thanos? Because he saw the, pro- he saw the future. Okay. He knows the... F- he knows the future that in, in in order for them to win, they have to fail first. This is all part of the this is all part of the plan. This well, is all Chris part Hawk, of the plan. Chris Hawk, what if <laughs> that what we saw was just one of the outcomes and when we see the next movie It's the it, same it, movie. It's the same movie. He just <laughs> it's this different outcome. He just, just doesn't give it over this time as quickly. I have come to bargain. Oh my god. <laughs> I mean the check out the last the last two lines that uh, Doctor Strange says, he goes, "This is the end game. This is this is how it's supposed to go." He knew his his whole thing was he was never going to give up the time stone for Tony or Peter, and yet he does it for Tony. No, Doctor Strange is not like that character wise. He doesn't care a shit worth worth of Tony. So we only did it because in the long term plan. Tony Stark is important to save the Avengers and Avengers for. I 100% agree with that, that Tony is the reason that he did that. And why Tony? Because we don't know yet. We don't know. But it's the, it's the only thing that makes sense because of how much of a, he, he made it a very clear point that like no matter what, 
I don't care if something's going on to you, this kid over here. If anything's happening to anything and the time stone is at risk, I'm dropping everything to get it to safety. He's like, I'll let you die in a heartbeat. And like, you don't go from that to spare this man and I'll give you the time stone unless you need that guy alive, in my opinion. I have one problem with this. First of all, I don't understand how people don't see that, like that he did it on purpose Mm -hmm. because there have been some people that legitimately do not see it. I'm just, it's kind of hard for me not to see that. Like I I never considered once that, you know, he's, he was just like throwing it. Yeah. Um, I want to know if there's 14 million possibilities where they, you know, you know, 13 million, you know, 999,000 (laughs) of those they lose or whatever. Why? If the one where you win, you're not involved. Did you not give him any advice? <laughs> <laughs> See, that was one of the things that I thought too. Like, come back with some information on that one. Like, what was different? I mean, I I know with time you can't tell him like what to do, but God, give him a hint. Because you, <laughs> if there are like literally millions of other possibilities where the same thing happens and you give it to him, you still lose. How are you going to well, leave it to Tony Stark? Doesn't well, that kind of go ahead, Mario? He he kind of is okay almost with a sense. With Peter, not that he's okay with it, but you can see that he kind of like he's like, it's okay, it's okay. Like he tries to calm him through it in a sense where he doesn't really show emotion. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like that's maybe he knew because they're they're on Titan for a while, apparently. So maybe he told them the outcome of what would happen. Only the Tony. We I don't, I don't know. Maybe, maybe. What, what what if telling Tony actually ruins the plan? Well, see, that's what I'm saying. I, I with time, obviously, you can't tell him right. like things, but you could still leave him something, and maybe we'll see that that Doctor Strange actually did do that. But I would just like a hint at it because it's just with that with the odds stacked against them with that kind of probability, it's going to feel like if Doctor Strange didn't do anything to influence what's about to happen in this next movie for them to win, it's going to feel like they lucked into it almost because of just the sheer probability that Doctor Strange sets up for this to happen. Right. I could agree with that. And I have some ideas on some of that stuff and what could be happening. But obviously, if you guys are cool with it, we're going to be saving some of that speculation for the Goldblum's rumors, which is going to be That's fine. a super sexy section this episode. <laughs> What you guys think of the fights in this movie? Let's talk about some of the fights that were going on. I thought it was pretty cool when they would all, uh, especially on Titan, when they all came had that plan to to stop them, and and uh, Peter Quill gave him the finger and jumped back into the portal. Right, I thought that was pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, the women fighting together are on uh, in Wakanda. What's her name? Michonne. Uh, Black Widow, Scarlet Witch, mm-hmm. yeah, and when the three of them teamed up to beat the the Black Order girl, I thought that was awesome. Like that was amazing. I mean, one negative is I I probably uh, it, it, shaky cam is I hate shaky cam. <laughs> so the, all the parts that were shaky cam in this movie, I absolutely despise. But that I thought that was cool, and Thor coming to save the day, kicking ass, mm-hmm. was amazing. Mm-hmm. I can agree with that. I thought the, the the fight on Titan was so fucking cool to me. The whole, just like you were saying, the whole plan that they had that starts out with just Doctor Strange and you know Thanos doesn't know anybody else is there, and they all kind of ambush him from different angles. Uh, and when you know they get him 
literally on his knees and like half unconscious trying to pull that gauntlet off. That was such a cool thing to like see. I just love, I love how that fight went. And then when everybody got their one-on-one battles, more or less, I thought that was really cool too. Like Tony and like he had the sickest suit that I've seen. I mean, obviously, cause it's the coolest and the newest, but man, this is like literally the suit that he got from the extremist storyline in the comics. And it was so fucking cool to see that kind of shit, that nanotech, like, you know, turn, turn into whatever you need at that moment. And I just loved what they did with that stuff. And Dr. Strange kicked ass in the fight on Titan. It was really cool seeing him throw spells around like a true master. I loved all that stuff. I think, uh, that's the closest, the Dr. Strange versus Thanos fight is the closest we're going to get to a live action Naruto fight. That's Shadow Clone <laughs> Jutsu. <laughs> you know, what's funny is we, we did a, uh, superhero role-playing game, uh-huh. And uh Chris Chris Hawk was the G- the DM uh, or GM game master whatever. And he gave us these powers and and uh I I guess what was I? I could touch people and gain ability or something. You, you're a copy. I basically did that to cuz Chris Hawk was the villain and I, I drew out this elaborate thing of how I would copy myself, <laughs> take someone else's power copy myself, take someone else's power, copy myself, and just, like, try to rip off Chris Hawk's head. And <laughs> I was like, Chris Hawk, I was like, Chris Hawk, I tried to, that's, that was my plan in your campaign. So I thought that was pretty cool. I believe the, uh, my favorite fight scene was the New York fight scene between uh, Ebony, uh, Black Dwarf, I think that's his name. Uh, for reasons unknown, they actually changed it to Cole Obsidian for the movie. Cole Obsidian, uh, Spider-Man Wong, Benedict, mm-hmm. Benedict Wong. Um, I just, I, I was just really good, very fast, very like, it was just, I think that's my favorite fight scene of the movie probably. Wow. Okay. I, I like how they ease into it. It's a one long tracking shot from the sanctum to mm-hmm. the outside. And it's, it's kind of like reminiscent of, um, I mean, it's getting kind of deep, but World Trade Center, when everyone's running on the street away from something, you know, 9-11, no, no one knows what's going on. It's pretty hectic. Yeah. People are just going nuts. Mm-hmm. And it's it's kind of almost like a found footage because it's basically tracking Tony only. Right, right. Yeah, I thought that was it's good shaky stuff. cam. And <laughs> it was shaky cam. Your favorite. <laughs> My favorite. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, I thought that stuff was really good, too. Uh, It was just one of the things that I liked about how, and I guess it helped that they were, you know, quote unquote, doing this movie from the perspective of Thanos. I really liked how it was kind of just boom, get to the hit the ground running. Like as soon as the movie starts, there's there's not a, a whole lot of time to really just sit there and see what's going on anywhere. But it's kind of cool because we know these characters. We've, we've seen all these heroes for 18 films. So there's not a whole lot of info we need on them except for where they are. And I just loved how quickly it gets into Thanos literally fucking everybody up and just continuing that. And I think somebody mentioned earlier about how there's moments where everything slows down, but it doesn't say slow down for too long. Cause Thanos just throws some more shit and people got to deal with it. I think it, uh, I think it really, really added to the film as far as the desperation that everybody was feeling. Chris pool. Did you, did you, uh, have, did, or let me see what I was going to ask or how I'm going to phrase it. Do you think 
that the Black Order should have had uh, maybe an introduction in a previous movie? Um, I don't necessarily think so. I almost feel like the backstory that we got in Guardians 2 from Nebula talking about how they were basically pitted against each other to as training sort of, and every time one of them failed, they'd have to get enhancements or something like that. Yeah, I almost feel like that kind of gave the idea for where these people probably came from. Because if if he was calling them his daughters and these are the children of Thanos, and you know this is all maybe a little presumptuous because I've read all the comics before, not all the comics, but you know I know comics and I kind of yeah yeah you know I I understand as a comic book reader going into this film who they are. So maybe it wouldn't be as clear as I'm thinking it was for me because of what was said in Guardians 2. But I don't really think we needed an introduction for them because um, you could almost say that we really didn't see Thanos at all before this movie either, either depending on uh, what you've seen. And that's one of the things that I wanted to mention about this film is that while it is amazing and I love just about everything in it, uh, it does have the problem that some of the later MCU films do where if you haven't, quite seen all of them or if you haven't seen specific ones you might not be 100 percent clear on why some characters are where or don't know about this or what's going on um Mm -hmm. like you know if you go if you go straight from uh avengers uh, age of ultron to infinity war you're a little confused why thor and and loki and hulk are probably all on a ship as friends and everybody's dead around them like you know I think that that's kind of one of the downfalls of some of these movies. If you're not a diehard fan, like we are where we watch all them shits. Cause they're great. I speaking to uh, Mario and the black order. And I, I do, I, I really wish we would have gotten at least their names. Cause I think we only get Thanos dropping them all once. And other than that, I don't, I don't know that the characters are ever named. That's my one complaint about that. At least, at least name them. If we're not going to get any origin or like any heads up, at least name them, because I mean that kind of gives a name to a character. They don't feel throwaway when they are actually named. Because I'll be honest, you could not name those guys, and I wouldn't care because they're not in the movie and they they get killed. It's <laughs> like, all right, well, whatever. Well, we know one of them is named Squidward. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Tony Stark and his pop culture nicknames. But yeah, uh, I don't know what else you guys think. Any other thoughts on some stuff? I really like how this is kind of still Tony's arc of wanting to save the Earth from unforeseeable uh, pain. Right. You know the whole the whole scene, the whole um, for the whole future scene in uh, Ultron, Mm -hmm. Age of Ultron, where he sees all his friends dying. Right. You know this has been that's been stuck with him for years, and it's really it's really nice to see that pain unfold on the screen where. Thanos calls the knowledge a curse and Tony calls him his curse because that's what's been keeping him up at night. You know, that's basically what all Iron Man 3 is about is right. that, un, you know, he can't save everyone and he wants to. And I, I mean, I, I like it. I like it a lot. Tony is obviously one of the, you know, main players of the MCU. Mm-hmm. And it, it's kind of fitting that it's kind of his movie, too. I think this is more of a Tony Stark movie. Um. It's like a Thor, Tony Stark, Thanos movie. I feel like we're still not done with Tony yet. 
Oh no no no! I could see I could see the last one, like the next the Avengers four, very much being the main four, like kind of all of their stories wrapped up in one, like just as a way to finish some stuff off. I did. Uh, I d- I did want to ask. Uh, I thought uh, Tony and Pepper were broken up. Oh no, they were, uh, they announced at the end of Spider-Man Homecoming, they were together again, which was very weird because that was like two months after Civil War. And in Civil War, they weren't together because he couldn't stop being Iron Man. And then here, two months later, he's proposing to her at a press conference. Um, But yeah, that was, he proposed to her at the press conference that he was supposed to introduce Spider-Man at when Peter backed out. Oh, see, I forget that part. Yeah, and Happy had been carrying the ring for the entire history of the (laughs) MCU. 2008. (laughs) Yeah. The other thing I wanted to ask is, how does Bruce know about the Infinity War Stones? Because, Infinity War Stones, the Infinity Stones, (laughs) because he... Uh, Bruce Banner. Because I, no, no, no. I said ooh because I got some thoughts on this, but I'm waiting for you to. Finish. Oh, because uh, in Thor Ragnarok, when he comes out of the Hulk form, he doesn't really remember what happened. Right. And then this, you know, when he lands, he. I don't know if it's because he wasn't Hulk that long, but he he remembers. You know, he knows what the Fiddy Stones are. He knows uh, Vision has one. Now you you just watched them all, Chris Poole. Did. Do they mention that in Avengers 2 that he has an Infinity Stone? Oh, yeah. Tony, yeah, uh, Thor Bruce helps it. Tony. Yeah, Bruce helps Tony put the stone in vision. Well, but they don't know it's an Infinity Stone until Thor shows up later and he says he had a vision and at the center uh, of it was the Mind Stone. Um, so Bruce was aware of the Infinity Stones at that point. How much he knew, we don't know. Um, but I have a couple of thoughts. I think it's very possible that Bruce was, uh, well, never mind. I can't say that. Based on the end of Ragnarok, he was in Hulk mode, and that's kind of where he was staying. Um, They made it seem like that anyways. So for all we know, he was Hulk the entire time that Thanos was on that ship. Yeah. Now, the only way that I see it happening is, think of it this way, because when they, before Ragnarok came out, they had talked about how Ragnarok was going to be the first in what could be considered a three-movie arc for a Hulk story. And if you go through Ragnarok, Avengers 3, and Avengers 4, there's your arc right there if you can fit something in. So in Ragnarok, you've got the beginnings of Hulk having an actual personality, being able to speak, having thoughts of his own, you know, all this kind of stuff, having like emotions, like all that stuff. And you got Bruce Banner, who's afraid to turn back into the Hulk because he doesn't think he'll ever come back. Then you get this movie where they're kind of doing what I've been waiting for for a long time, where I've wanted to see the Hulk and Banner at a point where they both are aware of each other. Neither one is exactly fighting against the other, uh, and they can sort of interact with each other um, in a mental kind of way, similar to how we saw in the film, because there's... There's animated like films and episodes of the Avengers where Bruce Banner's walking by a store on the street and he sees the Hulk as his reflection and they have like a little yeah. conversation with each other. So they did that in um the Ang Lee Hulk movie, I think. We do not speak of this. <laughs> I like that movie. <laughs> <laughs> but I I see it as the second part of what they're doing with his story where 
you know, they were fighting each other because they had their own personalities and wants and needs and stuff. And now they are aware of each other and they can literally interact with each other. And I think in, in, uh, in Avengers four, we could potentially see the Hulk and Bruce Banner completely in sync with each other on a level that we haven't seen before in the MCU. I thought it was cool that uh, it was in the new, one of the newer comics, the Marvel Now run, mm-hmm. when he puts his uh, Bruce Banner's subconscious in a little uh, robot, and it uh, follows around Hulk, and he kind of like talks to Hulk. I think that would be kind of neat to see something like that eventually. Interesting. I'm not sure I'm aware of this this little Hulk <laughs> bot you speak of. <laughs> speaking of Mark Ruff, speaking of Mark Ruffalo, though, I. Uh, I do want to say I think his acting was kind of weak in this movie. Really, and I, I th- just his acting and his dialogue to me were uh, like some of the more more cringy parts for me. Interesting. He's, he serves as the uh, the expator, you know, the exposition horse. You know, he's basically explaining the plot to everyone in the audience, and it it came off a little uh, too on the nose, a little bit. He is this film's silver surfer, basically. But I, th- I did think it was cool. I kind of got a little giddy when he was uh, when they see him after he crashes in the stairs, and he's turning back and says, "Thanos is coming, he's coming." I was like, "Oh my god, that <laughs> happened to the comics!" Except it was Silver Surfer. Man, I was so excited for this movie. I can't even just I can't even properly express it, guys. But how did you guys feel about uh, Tom Holland's acting as Spider Man? <sighs> I thought it was pretty good. I think that uh, his. <laughs> I think his death scene hit me the, uh, the hardest out of a lot of the people, especially the ones that were fading away at the end, just because of the way that he reacted to what was happening and the fact that he's a, a teenager being killed in a superhero movie on screen. Yeah, I do think that Spider-Man had the best death, but obviously there's there's the most work put into it. It's almost a shame that some of the other characters didn't get deaths like that. Mm-hmm. Like Black Panther has, you know, the this is no place to die, then fades away. <laughs> That's almost it's almost lackluster it's, for him when you compare to what Spider-Man gets. It's like he it's like Black Panther dies almost off-screen kind of. Almost, yeah, cuz he's right. like so the, close. He's in the foreground and we're facing like his back, right? Yeah, you right. see his arm as he's picking Okoye up. Yeah, it's just kind of weird. I mean, I think that's why Spider-Man's death is so influential. It's like, you know, he he is the one that you know, gets this. He gets this reaction, but I, I do. I think Tom Holland's action or uh, acting was perfect for that scene. You know, I really felt it. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say I, you know, teared up like Chris Bull over here, but got me in the feels. And I come in as devil advocate and say I really didn't think it was all that interesting. Well, M- Mario doesn't have a heart, so <laughs> you're right. Oh, you're right. No, it's it just it just it different strokes for different folks. Uh, I didn't tear up. Per se, but I, I mean, John has a point that they did spend the longest amount of time on his, on his death. Mm-hmm. I think that's what sold it. And I think Tony sold it, but I personally don't think his acting was really that uh, spectacular or anything. Well, I mean, other than that, I don't think he's really given anything to do. So that's why I wouldn't say like anywhere else it, it matters. I just, you know, Spider-Man's just kind of there sometimes. Like he's in the background. He's doing Spider-Man things. He's not really acting. Yeah, he was there just to be no kind of Spider-Man in this film. I want to talk about the Dinklage in the room, okay? Hmm. I want to talk <laughs> about Peter Dinklage. More specifically, <laughs> when did he make this gauntlet? How long has he been sitting around yes. on the space station drunk? What? What? Yes. Okay? 
how does that make sense that he made this gauntlet, Thanos took his hands, but yet this is like the first person he's seen. He hasn't done anything. What, what has he been doing? Here's my question. Long, what, when does this happen? I totally had the same thought when we got out of the first viewing and we're talking about everything that happened and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, wait a minute. So like Thor said he's like 1500 years old and there's a gauntlet in the Odin's uh, treasure vault uh, when, when they're kids. So there's at least been a fake around for that long. And if it's made specifically for Thanos's hand, then there's only like, why is there a fake and why does Odin have it? And it like, and didn't he grab one? He grabbed one out of a, a, like a vault. So did he get it made or was it already in the vault? And yeah. And, so. and like, did he get it made by this elf like 1600 years ago and then just sat on his ass for, you know, thousands of years waiting for the infinity stones. Like I was, I was so curious about that too. That kind of bugged me. That made, that made the movie terrible. New review. I hate it. <laughs> there was, <laughs> there, there was one thing like everyone is expecting was for them to explain, you know, why Thanos didn't do it sooner. You know, with, you know, there was the, you know, the theory about Odin being gone and, uh, ego and who else was it uh the ancient one right Mm -hmm. so it's kind of like did they keep like that was one thing i I was hoping we'd get to hear maybe or something that that would also conclude with this is you know why didn't he do it sooner or did they take it from him once before or something you mean why didn't he go for the infinity stones sooner yeah because that was like a big thing before the movie came out of people was saying uh, like, especially on Instagram, because Instagram, you know, everybody's like posting memes and crap about it, spoilers and crap. So, excuse me, but I hate Instagram sometimes. Uh, <laughs> it just like, you know, like one of the reasons was Odin. Uh, me and Chris Hawk talked about it on our potty talk episode. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the reasons somebody said was maybe it was because ego was around, or mm. one of the other reasons was ancient one was around, and and somebody else. Mm. Odin, right? Is that the the one? I already said Odin, yeah. Uh, Shield was gone, but I don't think Shield would pose a threat no. to. Um, he didn't give a fuck about because, them. like, oh, the Avengers broke up. Maybe, maybe mm. he knew. Maybe he knew. See, I think <laughs> that he didn't do anything before this movie, like, because he had other people doing his stuff for him. He was like. I I think he knew how powerful he was and he knew that he had the Jatari army because he's had that for who knows how long. But but I think that he just didn't want people to know that he was after it because he didn't want he like he needed that element of surprise just in case it came to it. You know what I'm saying? Like he wanted to try everything he could without trying his plan that involved him. And I think that's when it finally got to a point where he's like, all right, fuck it. I got to go do this. And Xandar, I think, was just the easiest target because there's nobody there except regular peeps and like some spaceships and stuff. So I think John C. Riley. Yeah. (laughs) He's dead now. But I yeah, apparently that's that's kind of just how I assumed it was all happening was that he was just I'm a I'm a background kind of work in the shadows kind of character until I have to get out. Yeah. There. But when I get out there, you better watch out. Yeah. But I was just referring it to when, when we were saying about like, when did he get it? Did this guy make it when he grabbed it from a vault? Right. Like how long has he been then, looking for this in yeah, general? Or Yeah. Or did he actually have one made by this guy? And then, you know, 
somebody stopped him and took it from him and kept it in the vault or something. You know, that I, like that would have been kind of neat to hear. Yeah. Like he tried to do it before. Well, the one I've seen. Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, I've seen some articles talking about how uh, they tried to fix the timeline because, you know, you have uh, what Don Cheadle in the beginning talking about uh, the time frame of these things happening. And it's almost like they tried to, you know, establish a more hard like time frame because of Spider-Man being thrown back in to the thing. And I guess it confused a lot of people mm-hmm. in terms of time frames. But I just think the Infinity Gauntlet, like they didn't even care. It's just I feel that way. Like unless there's something that they're going to explain with time travel in the next movie, that's the only way I could see this all fit together. But that'd be that's going to be hard. Well, um Man, I have some thoughts on that. When do we get to Goldblum's rumors? What else do you guys got? <laughs> uh, I want to talk about Red Skull. Ooh, the best cameo, and probably, I guess, only cameo of the movie. Yes, what are your thoughts? I'm, I'm curious. Look, I, I want to go first. I want to go, go ahead, first, because I'm going to tell okay. you. Okay, so full disclosure, um, every every death in Red Skull was spoiled for me, so I knew it was coming. So You knew it was coming, John? Yes, because uh, Mario got in a fight with a guy on Twitter. He DM'd the podcast Twitter all of these spoilers. Oh, man. And I get emails, so they come straight to me. Oh, my gosh. Mario, but, did you know, too? Yes. You knew? So, here's the thing. I I knew because of this this guy, and I reported him, too. Geez. So And I got pictures, and I sent it. I emailed him Twitter, and I said, this guy is going down. Oh, this guy man. is going down for emailing me spoilers. Here's the thing. I... I found it lackluster. I think it is really cool that he's mm-hmm. there, but I do not think it had this big of an impact because, I mean, first of all, he says, like, two Z words, and then he doesn't really have, like, a German accent. Mm-hmm. So I just, I feel like it's not, and it, they recast him, right? Oh, yeah. So it's it's just not the right. same to me. So I think it's cool, but I don't think it's a huge deal. Oh, no, but no, I just no. wanted to get it out there. No, no. I, Why is he floating? Well, that was the one thing uh, I was ghost. curious about. Because, like, I don't know. I, I thought I thought it was dope that he was there. I always thought he got transported instead of killed, uh, even back before, you know, all these movies were what they are and all that stuff. But um, that was my one question, too. I was like, I don't care about his backstory. I don't care. It doesn't matter how he got here, what he, how he's been living for all this time. Uh, you know, I'll accept all that. But what the fuck is this little magic cloak that he's got? Yeah. <laughs> Unless it was I thought he, I thought it was death for a second. I thought they were doing a male version of death as soon as I saw it, and then pops down and it's Red Skull, and it's like, oh damn, that's totally different, but also quite amazing. See, see what gets me though is I feel like Red Skull would do something to pl- plot his way or to like come up with a way to get himself out of there. Maybe. Like I feel like he's that type of guy where he's always kind of thinking about a way out of there. Like I, I, I thought it was weird. He kind of just accepted that he's this keeper of the stone. The only thing he does say is that he, he's tried to attain it and he can't, he does mention that he does say that, you know, he can't even attain it. He's forced to guard this thing. He can't attain. So, I mean, I think he has tried just clearly not hard enough. Well, I think it's because a, he probably doesn't have anything that he loves. B, if he does, they aren't there with him on that planet, so he can't sacrifice anything to get that soul stone. Like, he he literally has no resources yeah. to be able to even attempt that. 
What if he draws his real face that he lost and he throws it down there? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I miss you. <laughs> I miss you, real face. Now here's here's a question for you: Could he throw himself in? Ooh, can do that. I mean, wouldn't he just be in the Soul Stone at that point? I don't know. Does it work Basically. that way if you sacrifice Basically. yourself? That would be crazy. The only thing you love is yourself. Does it work that way? That'd be amazing. And then when the soul stone breaks, he comes out of it. Oh, that'd have been awesome. That would be kind of cool because that would have been a that would have been another cool way to do that scene if they had instead of him throwing Gamora off, he's there and he has to throw himself off, and she's like, "Yes, we've won." And then fucking there he is with the stone. Also, I have to agree with John. I think it's lackluster, but from a different span, from almost the same standpoint, but also because I'm a big fan of Dimension Z, Captain America story plot. Mm-hmm. And I wanted him to be in Dimension Z, and I wanted, and I, I've talked about this a million times. I've wanted a Captain America in Dimension Z movie. It's not going to happen now, but I thought that would have been so cool to send Red Skull to Dimension Z. What are you talking about, Mario? Avengers Four is Dimension Z. That's what the oh, that'd be amazing. <laughs> um, in terms of uh, Red Skull, I I think it's one of the most comic booky things about the movie. Uh, Red Skull being like the protector of a soul stone of like the infinity of an infinity gem. Mm-hmm. It just it feels like it came directly out of the pages. Yeah, it's, it just feels all comic booky. Like this is this goes to show you what happens if you love power too much. You will become this will become your purgatory. Yeah, something you can't attain anymore. I I, I thought it was pretty damn cool. Uh, I didn't expect it at all. No, yeah. It was very surprising and very cool for me, too. I didn't expect it until it was spoiled. <laughs> I didn't expect it to be there, but because it was spoiled, I was expecting him to be in the movie. Mm, okay. But that's because of that jerk-off. Now, oh. earlier, Chris Poole, you said you had a joke that you hated because it was too forced. Oh, man. Now, let's talk about this. Let's talk about these jokes. So let me just give you like one or two examples of stuff that I thought was pretty hilarious because this movie was pretty good as far as the humor. And not only were the jokes well-placed, but I thought they were actually pretty decent jokes. And I, just to give everybody some backstory on me with the MCU, I did not like most of the humor in Guardians Volume 2, especially from Drax. Uh, This film, uh, I I don't know if I said this earlier, but I agree with what some of you guys were saying about how the Guardians had the funniest moments. So I think one of my favorite jokes in the entire movie is, where's Gamora? I'll do you one better. Who's Gamora? I'll do you one better. Why is Gamora? (laughs) I was just like, oh my fucking God. That was pretty good. And then uh, the other one was probably when they're on Titan and he's trying to go through his plan and he's like, what is it they do? We kick names and take ass. And t- that moment of silence where Tony is just like, oh, my fucking God, are we seriously doing this right now? It was just that was all hilarious to me. Um, the part that I thought was weird was when you're in Wakanda, you've got this endless army of who knows how many numbers of these. I can't even remember what they're called. Uh, and you got some of the black orders there and Thanos himself hasn't even showed up yet with the infinity stones and all of this is going on death and destruction and Captain America stops to tell fucking Thor that he's got a cool new haircut and Thor is like, Oh, I see you copied my beard. I was just like, really? Like, this is what you guys talk about right now in this moment. That's so that 
that just like so comics though they do it all the time in the comics but it, but it was just it felt so out of place compared with like everything else feeling so right to me I, in the film is it more out of place than the i am groot i am steve rogers scene uh kind of sort of yeah because it was still in the middle of all that craziness uh i don't know i don't know if i would say forced but maybe definitely at the wrong time like it's definitely funny it just didn't it didn't work for me like any of the rest of the stuff in the film did because by then it was like everything was getting super like tense and super sad and it's like then you hear this joke and it's like oh my god man i don't even know if i can laugh at this what's going on right now i i didn't laugh and that's probably because it just flew over my head you got slow reflexes thing yeah yeah what are you talking about (laughs) Mario did laugh at the I am Steve Rogers. <laughs> I get that reference. Oh, jeez. Did you did you guys have any other jokes that didn't land for you guys? The one joke that I I didn't find as hilarious as everyone is the Squidward joke. I just didn't. Yeah. It doesn't I didn't see I didn't see it as super funny. It just seemed like a Tony Stark thing to me, but man, people were dying at like mm-hmm. <laughs> Like there was like a couple people in the audience that thought that was hilarious. Yeah, it was one of those crowd reactions for me too in uh at least two of the viewings where it's like I get it. I know who he's talking about and I think it's kind of funny, but it was not the hey let's laugh out loud as a group kind of funny for sure. <laughs> it's like clapping. Like did you guys have people clapping in the theater at moments? Yeah. I hate that shit well, so much. Wait, did we? Yeah, no we did. Um <laughs> I, not Very little clapping. Yeah, it was only at a few moments. Man. Um, Captain America, I think they clapped. Mm-hmm. That one. There, and it was only like a few people. It wasn't like heavy clapping, like your normal, like, yeah, you know, people cheering I, and stuff. I honestly almost clapped when we went back to Wakanda. Really? I freaking, I freaking love that music so much. It gets me so hyped. So hype. So at the second IMAX showing that I saw, the the regular IMAX, like this theater's huge. I'm sure you guys know how big they are when it's IMAX and whatever. So it's like full of people, seven o'clock on a Friday night. And audience claps for Captain America. Uh, They (laughs) clap when, um, uh, like every time like a new character shows up, like when the Guardians showed up and they're singing it's like, and then when Thor showed up, like uh, when when he throws his hammer or his new axe out of the uh, out of the Bifrost that he summoned, that that got a clap. Followed immediately by Thor and Groot and Rocket getting a clap when they appeared. Followed immediately by <laughs> Thor getting a clap when he just like slammed the ground and killed a hundred of those things. And it was just that's like, a lot of clapping. Yeah, it, seriously. And it was like, and it was, all it takes is one person. It was, that's all it, it takes. Was, it was funnier for me because, you know, I'd already seen it twice by then. So I really it wasn't killing anything. I wasn't missing anything. But it was just like, I hate when that happens normally because it happened a little bit on the first time. And like, it bugs me even when, and I know you can't help this because, like, if something's funny and everybody finds it that way, everybody's going to laugh. But do you ever have it? where you're watching a movie and like so many people laugh at a joke that you can't hear what they're saying right after the joke. And it's like something serious and about the plot. And you're like, fuck everybody shut the fuck up. I know it was funny, but I can't hear. It's like, that's what, that's what (laughs) clapping is like for me, except it's unacceptable and I hate it. Now, Chris Poole, Chris Hawk has done this a few times in the movie theater when it was dead silent. Mm -hmm. What, What do you think about, farting real loud when it's dead silent oh my god why chris hawk has done this uh it I think only it happened once okay. no it happened twice <laughs> no. oh my god he it laughed happened. 
Someone got <laughs> shot or hit by a car or something. Because Chris Hawk laughs every time someone gets hit by a car. <laughs> like, it was dead silent after that, and he's laughing, and he just hear a... <laughs> and then... <laughs> you're like, what? Oh, my God. That is ridiculous. He didn't do it during Avengers, though. I would. I should hope not. I that mean, would be like disrespecting somebody at I their funeral. Myself. <laughs> That'd be horrifying. But uh, Chris Paul stands up. He's like, "Hey!" <laughs> he's like, "You shut that ass up!" This is. <laughs> I have one more thing I'd like to bring up. Well, two really, and there one's one's a question for you guys, and one is just a comment. Yes. Uh, my comment is: I think it's really cool that Captain Marvel is set in the '90s and. He has a pager to page Captain Marvel. I think that's very appropriate. She has a pager. Well, whatever. He has one. Whatever. <laughs> he, she, it's all I do the think same. that scene is lackluster. This is, the, this is 2018. I think it's lackluster uh, as an end credit scene, but I do like that. My question is, though, where's Scarlet Witch's accent? I turned to Mario, and I was like, didn't she have an accent? What happened? To that? <laughs> I think I think they, she got Amer she got Americanized. No, right? I think they gave up because she wasn't doing it anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's like, well, you ain't trying, so we'll just we'll get rid of it, and nobody will. Notice. Yeah, no, because like it was. I haven't seen anybody talk about it. She didn't do it that well. Like, I mean, neither one of them really did it that great for their entire role in uh, Age of Ultron. And then Civil War comes, and it was there a little bit less. And then I totally agree with you. You you hear her talk for a minute, and you're like, wait a minute. Why does she sound just like an American right now? And I, I yeah, think I wrote that down as one of my dislikes. I said Scarlet Witch's newfound perfect English American accent. <laughs> she was she was taking phonetic lessons from Vision. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then oh, that's what we're calling. And those. then she was teaching him yeah. how to be a man. You know, it was an exchange. I didn't see I didn't see any sweaters, so that wasn't really Vision. Okay. <laughs> Uh, what else you guys got? You got anything, or uh, are we about ready to get to those Gold Blooms rumors? I say we get to those Gold Blooms rumors. I am ready to go Gold Bloom all over these <laughs> rumors. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Wait, I need my leather jacket. Oh my god! All right. Well, with that being said, we'll head over to the sweetest of all of the awesomest segments that anybody could have on their podcast. <laughs> Those gold blues yes. rumors, baby. Cue the music. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Let's stop the music right there. Gold Bloom's Rumors is exclusive to Fireside Comics, so if you would like to hear these Gold Bloom's Rumors, head over to Fireside Comics Podcast right now on all major podcast networks, and you can hear all the rumor talk that we get to uh, mention and the theories that we come up with. Also, you get to hear the sweet entrance music or intro music to Gold Bloom's Rumors. Just saying. Here at Cinema 7, uh, we like to do a final summary and grade. So, uh, for Cinema 7, Mario, Chris Hawk, and John, we shall do a final summary and grade for this. Uh, starting with John, take it away. Oh, what? I'm first? Yep. Okay. So, overall, uh, you know, we talked about this. Uh, I liked the movie, but I did not think it was the best thing in the world. Uh, we cited some reasons on why that is, um, just to name a few. 
it it just feels like a Marvel movie to me. And nothing's nothing out of the ordinary. Uh, the tone may be different, but I still see the same exact Marvel formula being shoved down my throat. But this time, there's a villain that is fleshed out, and I actually like. We're not talking uh, Michael Keaton and his vulture, because let's be honest, guys, he's not a, he's not a fleshed out villain. So I don't, you know, I really like Thanos in this movie. I think he's great, and I said I'd talk forever about it. So. Let me talk about just why Thanos is such a good villain. Number one, Thanos is willing to get what... No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I, overall, I really like the uh, the movie. Um, I really like the the tone. The, the pacing is kind of odd at parts. Um, it's, not, it's not unbearable, but it, it is weird. So, you know, uh, I, I gotta knock it there. Uh, I just feel like it'd be a lot, it'd be, you know, it'd hit that perfect movie to me if it didn't feel like just one giant setup for the villain or the heroes to win in the next movie. And I think that's my biggest knockback to it. But overall, I do uh, give it a uh, 8 out of 10. Uh, so I'll go next. Uh, John gave it an 8 out of 10. I, I'll i just go over some of my likes and dislikes. Um, mine might be a little longer, so I apologize. I, I, these are some of my likes first. Uh, I really liked the garden's introduction with the music. I thought that was pretty sweet. Me and John were talking about that in the movie theater. Uh, we thought maybe James Gunn came in and directed that part. I liked most of the character introductions. It made me, f- it brought me back to the first Avengers movie. Uh, just felt pretty neat how they intertwined them. Uh, the pacing was much better than Civil War and Avengers 2 to me. I appreciate the slowdowns, but I also, it's also a dislike like, uh, John has said before, um, like, uh, John, if you wanted to mention why that was, I think it was because you said it just went from uh, zero to 100 to zero. Yeah. Uh, some of my favorite characters was uh, Drax and Ebony Maul. I thought he was pretty neat. Um, I really liked the Shakespearean nature of Thanos' quest. Uh, the rivalries created between the individual Black Order members and certain Avengers and how they continued it. Uh, towards the end was pretty neat. I really loved the women of the Avengers working together uh, to defeat the chick from the Black Order. Thor coming in to save the day. I wish he would have played that music that he had from Ragnarok, though. I think that would have been pretty neat. And the end with Thanos taking a breath before it ended. I thought that added a very poetic uh, ending to uh, his quest because the next movie is obviously going to be the Avengers quest. Some dislikes. uh, Shaky Cam, uh, Black Order, Having no introduction in a previous movie, I thought the build-up could have been a little bit more with seeing Thanos gather the gauntlet in, in more detail or in a post credit scene, see him fly over that uh, planet that kept the Power Stone with John C. Riley. Uh, power discrepancy, I think there's an imbalance, kind of, of, of power throughout the films. Uh, dialogue was a weak point for me. The only people that had great dialogue I thought was Thanos and Emmy Maul. Uh, I screwed up his name. Uh, Mark Ruffalo's acting. I didn't like how Bruce knew about the Infinity Stones, uh, but, uh, you know, maybe someone told him. Scarlet Witch's newfound perfect English-American accent. Uh, We talked about that. The convenience of certain things just happening where they do. Uh, CGI at certain moments, Gamora as a whole, and I thought it was predictable. Uh, I really hope this doesn't affect the other movies going forward. I, like John, I do think this is an achievement 
in film because of how action-packed it was with this many uh, amount of star power or how many people were in the movie that were big names. Uh, the filmmaking-wise, I, I, uh, I don't think this movie or most MCU movies would be here today without the prequels and how Lucas made those. So I'm just going to say it. I think the MCU is not better than Star Wars. Just throwing it out there. I think, as I said, Thanos could have done better, more build-up. So I, I think he's the best MCU villain. I agree with John. But I, I think that... I, I can't say that this fixes their villain problem because we have to see the other movies first to see how they deal with their villains. Uh, I don't think he's the best villain in cinema history. Uh, Hawk has said it, that he thinks he, he deserves to be in the discussion. I do think Magneto in the X-Men movies is better. Well, um, what's his name, John? Gandalf. Ian McCallum. Yes, yeah, I, Ian McCallum. I think he's a better villain than Thanos. I think uh, Joker from Dark Knight is a little bit better. Obviously, I like uh, Spider-Man 1 and 2, so I think their villains are a little bit better in those movies. Uh, Vader, I don't see technically as a villain, so I kind of hate that argument that he is... He, you know I mean? He's uh, the most... Uh, villainous villain in cinema or whatever. It felt like a comic book event to me, so I'm going to give it a 7.8 out of 10. And I'm sorry if I talked too long. Chris Hawk, take it away with the similarity Rubicon. So the similarity Rubicon is pretty great. Um, I think this movie is a triumph. Uh, I really do. It truly feels like a comic book movie. I think it... Not only does it take aspects from, you know, the... Like a comic book. It actually feels like it came directly from a comic book. It feels like the... I wouldn't know if I would say it would be the most comic book movie, but it definitely... It definitely does feel like one. I... I applaud for the... How much they really put into this movie. The interactions between the characters are superb. They are... I mean, that's probably one of the main reasons why we, we come to this... Come to see these movies is the interaction between the characters. And they're, they... Don't let us down. They are they are succinct. They are perfect. They have the best one-liners in the in the movie. Maybe out of the uh, other MCU movies, I think this one has the best dialogue between the characters. I do love the I do love Thanos. Thanos is one of my favorite Marvel villains, and it, it's very I'm very glad to see him on the screen, used well. You know, he's menacing. And I think Josh Brolin deserves a big credit to bring him onto the screen. The CGI was very well done for him. He just brings a gravitas. You know, he brings cojones to Thanos. And, I, and I'm really happy because I was really... I think Mario brought it up that he didn't want to see Thanos be beaten in one movie. And I'm glad he wasn't beaten in one movie. So I got um, like a real Raiders of the Lost Ark vibe from this movie. And how they were on a quest to prevent something from happening. Indy was on the quest for the Ark of the Covenant, trying to prevent the Nazis from getting it. I mean, they fail. Indy fails. They eventually get it, you know, and, and in this movie the Avengers fail. So it's like they're going on a quest. They fail, and immediately the impact of the Ark is kind of similar to the Infinity Gauntlet. You know, it's... They're both devastating. I would say, in terms of Thanos... Uh, the only other villain that I could think of that was just as menacing and kind of got away with the movie was uh, for No Country for Old Men. And when uh, Sh Anton Sugar plays the main, one of the main characters in that movie, he is, 
he is just as menacing or even more menacing than Thanos at some times. And I, I feel like he gets away in the movie. Like he, he doesn't really lose. You could say that some things happen to him or are unfortunate or poor, but really he is, he is undeniably a force to be reckoned with. He is the force of death. And Thanos is kind of a force to be reckoned with in this movie. And I kind of get the same vibe from uh, No Country for Old Men and how Thanos is portrayed, how Anton is portrayed, how how they're both just, they just take away the breath, they take your breath away when they're on the screen type of thing. And for like the last one, it's a very odd choice, but I kind of got this feeling, and it's a Christmas carol. You know how in a Christmas carol, Ebenezer Scrooge is visited by the ghosts to show him his sins and how he's wronged people, to show him, you know, how he could have done better and how he should be a better person. It really felt like Thanos was doing that to the Avengers. Like he would show them, are you willing to sacrifice this much? Instead of showing how much of a dick you are, they were, Thanos was showing them how much are you willing to sacrifice to save the universe? And they all failed, obviously, but he did it like three times to three different heroes. And I just, I just had this thing where it was like Thanos was like this reckoning that was coming and he was giving you a choice. And it really did feel like a Christmas Carol at that time. And I, and I really enjoyed that. And those are the three movies I picked for Avengers. You kind of get this aspect that Thanos is a reckoning. He's a force to be reckoned with. And I think he is the best MCU villain. The, he, he really does make this movie. No ifs, ands, or buts. And I'm kind of glad that we had 19 movies to build up the other characters. So Thanos has his own whole movie where we don't have to do any other characters. We can just do Thanos. I really enjoyed this movie. I think it's a step in the right direction for uh, the MCU. And I hope, I really do hope, you know, we already have mentioned it, that let's hope they do their villains right. Let's hope they actually have stakes in some movies. We don't have to wait 19 movies for more stakes. You know, can we actually see some consequences now? I would like to see some consequences in these movies. Uh, there you have it. Those are our final summary and grades. Uh, John, you gave it a... 8 out of 10. 8 out of 10, correct. I gave it a 7.8 out of 10. Chris Hawk, you compared it to No Country for Old Men. Raiders of the Lost, Raiders of the Lost Ark and Christmas Carol. So Christmas Carol, Raiders of the Lost Ark and uh, No Country for Old Men because of the villain. Uh, last thing I just want to say is a general, like, you know, out of a possible five stars, I'm going to give this uh, best movie ever. So there you have it. Those are our final summary grades from Cinema 7. Back to Chris Poole at Fireside Comics. Anyway, that's about all I got on uh, Infinity Gauntlet, unless you guys got anything else. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Infinity War. Yeah, um, I, I think I think I'm good. I think we we talked about a lot of uh, what I had on and like that I wanted to, to talk about. You know, we talked about like our a lot of what we liked about certain things and a lot about what kind of made us question certain things. And I know I brought up a lot of things I that were on my dislikes list or cons or whatever. Right. So I'm good. OK, I'm good. Oh, I'm fine. You know. I think we've uh, we've talked about it, and you know we probably need one of these another down the road. But right now, I think we're good. Uh, we've only seen it one time, so we can't speak to the 
the experience that Chris Poole has. <laughs> True. And he did watch all the movies so leading up to it. Oh, so man. we don't have that experience as well. Yeah. I'm uh I'm I'm some would say too big of a fan, but I would say that's ridiculous. With that being said, we'll probably go ahead and wrap it up here. So for all those listening out here, uh, be sure to check on Cinema Seven. On what, what? What are you guys on? What tell tell the fans what they can what they can see you guys on and and talk to you guys on and listen on and all that stuff. Well, you can visit our website, the loneliest website in all of the internet, Cinema Seven Podcast dot com. You can look us up on all of the platforms that uh, Chris Poole and Fireside Comics are on. You know, Google Play, uh, iTunes, the Apple Podcast app, Stitcher. SoundCloud, uh, you know, all the, the major plat- podcast platforms, social media, uh, where Cinema 7, how we spell 7 is we replace the S with the number 7. So it's Cinema 7, E-V-E-N, underscore pod, is our Twitter and our Instagram. And on Facebook, we're just Cinema 7. All right, sounds good. And at Fireside Comics, you can get a hold of us at a lot of the same places. We are on Libsyn now also, if you guys use that to listen to podcasts. Uh, We also have the YouTube channel, which you are probably hearing some of this episode on. Uh, Maybe not this particular part, but we are going to have some stuff all the time going up on YouTube that is not necessarily always on the SoundClouds or the Libsyn pages. So check that stuff out and hit us up on Facebook. Join the Fireside Comics community uh, group that we have. Uh, we're on Twitter at Fireside Comics and all that great shit. So we'll have links for all this stuff in the description. And yeah, thanks for tuning in. We appreciate the support. And thank you guys for doing this crossover with me. I thought it was awesome. And uh, I'm, it's always fun having a crossover with you guys. So, hashtag super best yeah, friends. Hashtag super. super pod best friends, pods helping pod friends, friends in podcast places. Wakanda forever. Did, oh. did we did we just become best friends? <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, with that being said, we're going to say goodnight to everybody. So we will see you in the next one. Until next time. Cinema 7. And Fireside Comics. Good to go. Good to go. Oh, am I recording now? Uh, you're going to have to beat me for this one, but I'm going to give it eight giant Peter Dinklage's <laughs> out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> That's the good one right there. That's a great one. I like that rating system.